This is Jeff Billard from the Amigos Audio Collective, thanking you for listening to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. This podcast is a serial narrative, a story told episode by episode. Consequently, your listening journey would best be begun at the beginning. That's Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor, Episode 1. It is the year 2015, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity... Previously on Bruff Taxwind, Sky Sailor. I'll be out on the street in a week if I can't get some scratch together. Got a simp here with me being released to your recognizances. Your only brother, according to the paperwork. The Atlantean is the largest airship in the history of mankind. Will the simpleton try to fly like a bird or swim like a fish when thrown overboard? Hold on, buddy. Just just hold on. I'll, I'll get us to safety. Looks like that last leap finally gave you a pair of sky legs. What was Pa like, bruh? Ah, hell, he was a coward, a, a loser. Then he took this pin off his chest, pinned it to my shirt, here in my pocket. It's like having a little piece of our Pa back with us. I am Lady Balderstone. Perhaps you'd like to join me at this evening's ball? I'm Bagwell. Nigel Bagwell. You're one of the bastards who threw my brother off this ship. Why were you rummaging through the cargo? What were you looking for? Mr. Danger, I swear I won't tell no one about the canister. What the hell was that? Sky Pirates. Well, listeners, I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you're going to reenact scenes from rude alchemy, wear a cup. I received word that some overly eager ne'er-do-wells recently played out the bruff and whiff leap of faith scene from episode three and ended up quite horribly castrated. People, if you cannot tie a simple poor Peter's hitch, then you really have no business leaping off the second story of your apartment building in an effort to live out the dream of saving your incapable younger brother who was thrown to his death by wager-hungry steel mill tycoons and lesser cockney thugs. They're your genitals, for Christ's sake. If you don't take care of them, who will? And don't say Red Susie at the Flying Fox Club. She'll charge you half a silver dollar for a simple West Tulsa Thunder Shuffle. And if you don't know what that is, Courtney, I'm afraid I cannot help you. (sighs) I never had determination half as fierce as old Red Sue's, nor denture epoxy half as strong. Well, hell, Courtney, she must have been near to 80 when I first set foot at the old flying fox. Hey, just take it easy. No, it's not gross. She was an incredibly capable woman, and her spirit was unconquerable. My only complaint is that she overcharged. Anyway, please enjoy this episode of Bruff Texwind Sky Sailor.
Bruff Tax Win Sky Sailor is brought to you by Augustus Teague's Postmortem Photography. You bring the corpse, we'll bring the fun. Last time, our hero's first foray into sky security was interrupted by a bombardment from invading pirates. But lest we overwhelm the sensitive action and adventure area of your brain, and well, I may be tipping our hand by saying this, but we have had your skulls measured, and the average action and adventure sensory area amongst our audience is dangerously small. So let's take a moment to check in elsewhere. Meanwhile, at the Starry Sky Ball, let the tinkling tunes of everyone's favorite vaudevillian take you away. Ladies and gentlemen, Ardy Bishop. Well, folks, when they told me I'd be amongst the stars someday, I didn't realize quite what they meant. Even those New York skyscrapers never brought me this close to the heavens. I took a peek out my porthole, and I'm still seeing spots. Little did I know the real stars ain't got nothing on what's hanging off this lady's neck. Do us a favor, darling, and next time bring a visor for those rocks. Oh, Artie. I know, sweetheart. Most days I can barely stand myself. I guess that's why I'm sitting now. Anyway, I wrote this little tune special for the occasion. Let's go live in the sky. There's no reason to reason why. We'll build our castle out of clouds and hope the storms won't blow us down. Let's go live in the sky. But hold my hand. For if we fall, I haven't brought my wings We've mucked it all up down below But since there's no new place to go Let's go live in the sky Nobody move Keep your hands in the air while the limping griffin boards you. Say, boys, that sounds awfully mythological for a first date. Can the cute stuff, cupcake. Flattery will get you nowhere, sailor. Say, ain't you Artie Bishop? Oh, stop. You'll make me blush. I own all your records. But I take it you didn't buy them. I wouldn't be a sky pirate if I did. What a matter-of-fact chap you are. Well, so long. So long, Artie. Say, wait a minute. Get back here. Okay, wow, yeah. So that quickly escalated into horrifying violence. Um, like I said, I, I want to kind of save the action for you so that you'll really savor it when the moment is right. Uh, let's take it a little farther back. Meanwhile, at the pet-friendly section of the Starry Sky Ball, Lord Billowstick and Lord Terrywatt engage in a lively discussion concerning the finer points of lens grinding for cat monitors. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand, thousand times. An ungilded bevel is the signal of our unalterable descent into blood-painted madness. You'll not find me allowing Constable Johnny Fluff an unembellished monocle. I'd sooner eat a corpse. But, Lord Tarrywat, do you not find a kind of elegance in the simplicity of pretty kitty cuddle bun's unadorned monocle? 
the clean beauty of the pristinely cut glass, the light's refraction across the perfect circle of its edge. See the prism here. Lord Billowstick, I think you are an unforgivable ogre, a tyrant so absolute in your ignorance that you would allow a creature as magnificent as Pretty Kitty Cuddlebun to suffer the unspeakable shame of wearing a monocle not only free of large precious stones, but also without any trace of gold, silver, the lesser metals, and even the basest of gemmery or hand-carved garnishings. I would spit in your face, sir, if it did not require moving closer to that shameful bit of glass you dare deem a cat monocle. Here now, you fancy nancies. Put your hands in the air, and your jewels in my gunny sack. What's this? Sky pirates? (gasps) Run, run, pretty kitty cuddlebun. Run to a land where you cannot be harassed by such heartless oppressors as Lord Tarrywat. Constable Johnny Fluff, don't you dare flee. We shall stand our ground with dignity. Monocles perched as our grandfathers did. I told him, didn't I? Okay, so again, that got pretty bad pretty quickly. (sighs) I was really trying to ease us into the action. Here, let's take it back a little farther. Meanwhile, in an underlit corner of the starry sky ball... Oh, it's Herr Gunter Gauss and our old friend Horse Commons playing a quick game of Roll the Lemon. It is played, as far as I can tell, by seeing who can roll a lemon the farthest... These were simple times. Come now, you sour yodeling gravy scraper. I saw you squeezing your lemon like it was Gypsy Abbott's gams. Have you been dejuicing it or packing it with sand, or what have you been doing? Nine, Herr Commons. I have done nothing but roll my lemon fair and square. Fair and square, my feather-coated fanny. If I find you've been tampering with your lemon, you will have to forfeit all monies heretofore entered as bets, and I might even have Stu and Lou extract something extra for pain and suffering. Herr Commons, if you do not trust me, then perhaps we should end the game now. While you're two fifty ahead, I'd bet you'd just love that, wouldn't you, you black-veined sausage fart? I believe it is your turn to roll. All in good time, you. Oh, my God! Holy hell! Damn it! I guess the Sky Pirate's arrival just came really early in the course of the evening. Uh, I can try taking us back a little farther. Uh, meanwhile... This way, Whiff. I'm coming, brother. But, oh, look, here come Bruff and Whiff. So I... I guess we have to get on with it now. I mean, yay, our heroes! <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I'm just in a weird mood today, I guess. No, no, no it's fine. I, just, just, Let's just keep going. Holy smokes. It really is Sky Pirates. Just like our Uncle Fable. You know what? I can see how that would be confusing to you. Because Colonel Lexington does kind of look like a pirate. Get that with Hands high unless you want to land low. Well, well, well. I'm scared, bruff. You should be, you little rat. All right, all right. Just watch where you point that thing. What, my gun? Yeah. For the sake of someone who... Say, couldn't see what was happening and had to rely on listening to the events as they unfold? Let's say I met your gun. You mean like a blind person? Yeah, or, you know, just someone who chose not to see. Even though they had the option to take it all in. All that beautiful, shallow nonsense that swirls around them all day, every day, telling them what to buy, who to love, how to live. 
I'm talking about the brave few who deny that candy-coated, brittle, hollow spectacle and instead choose the road that's more difficult, but the one that's more rewarding at the end. So not a blind person? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. Was that some kind of metaphor for the nobility of subversive media? Like, what? Telegraphs? Carrier pigeons? Radio? Wait, wait, like... Oh my god, like a podcast, right? D- did I did I get it right? So, did you mean my gun? Oh, Jesus Christ, yes, I meant your gun. Trick question, this ain't a gun, it's a gun sword. Isn't that just a bayonet? Wrong again. A bayonet is a little sword on the end of a gun. A gun sword is a little gun on the end of a sword. Oh, I get it now. Your explanation was helpful. All right, uh, before this thing goes completely off the rails, let's get down to business. I suppose it's my fault for continuing this, meanwhile, on another part of the ship routine. Jean-Pierre, we will never get all these lobsters back to the kitchen in time for the main call. Do not fear, Jean-Michel. I have an ingenious plan that will surely not cause us to set ourselves on fire and dunk our bumper bum-bums in the lobster tank. Hey. Don't actually cut to another part of the ship when I say meanwhile on another part. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yeah, got you. I got you, Courtney. It was you, wasn't it? Hmm? No? No, really, come on. You were the one doing the... You what? Hmm. You're not powerful enough to make such things happen? Oh, well, okay. Let's just, uh... Let's just, uh... A final explosion ripped open a hole in the ballroom's wall, exposing the outer deck and its surrounding rail. A swarm of pirates flooded in and shepherded the ball guests together in a great herd. Then from the smoke stepped the captain of the dreaded Limping Griffin, a lean fellow of average height with sun-hardened skin and a horrible yellow gleaming eye. Well, well. Hiya, buds. Your name's Tommy Forenzi, but everyone calls me Glass Eye. Hello, I'm Horse Commons, and this sack of sauerkraut is Gunter Gauss. Pleased to meet you. Now that we're all acquainted, will everyone kindly join me below deck? Not just yet, sport. We've yet to finish our game of Roll the Lemon. There's a fair amount of money at stake, after all. That's all right, bud. All your money's mine now. Well, uh, let's not fool ourselves here. I do carry a couple or three thousand in spending change, but you wouldn't be able to extract the money from my various bank accounts down below, and you certainly are incapable of liquidating my assets. Yeah, comments, for God's sake, please stop. Jason, come here, bud. The sky pirate named Jason stepped forward, his gun sword gleaming. Jason, show this gentleman where he can go if he chooses not to join us below. Aye, aye, glass eye. Jason the Sky Pirate immediately stabbed Horse Common's collar with his gun sword and swung the man through the newly blasted hole into the nearby rail where he dangled helplessly. Help! Still! Blue! Horse Common's bodyguards came thundering from the hallway and were immediately cut down by the Sky Pirates. Damn it, now their mother will never let me hear the end of it. They're my cousin Margie's kids and well... They were your cousin Margie's kids. Anyone else want to help? No? Gunter! Oh, Gunter, old pal. I'm sorry, Hoss. You should have kept quiet. You there. I remember you from somewhere, don't I? Letting you two bits once for some chipped ice, didn't I? Me? 
Help me out, lad. We can knuckle up against these sky sodomites, you and I. You don't remember throwing my brother over the rail of the ship to see how he'd squirm? The simpleton wager, of course. Say, isn't that the fellow there? In case you're wondering, yeah, Jason the Sky Pirate was still holding Horse Commons over the rail the entire time. His upper body strength was astounding. A hundred and twenty pirate pull-ups a day. A pirate pull-up is like a normal pull-up, except after each one you fornicate with a freshly buttered lobster. Now, I'm just kidding. I'm sure he's strong from holding down women while his parrot eats their eyes. Jesus, the simp's still alive? Don't let that old cockney know. He'll gut me with a shoehorn. You're about to be thrown off the ship. Well, you never know. Yeah, you do. Toss him, bud. Aye, aye, glass eye. And Jason the Sky Pirate tossed horse commons to the clouds. The assembled passengers all groaned in horror as the steel magnate plunged through the atmosphere. All that is, except Lady Bulverstag, who stood stroking her crystal-topped silver-coated walking stick, squinting as though to better see. How pathetic. Yeah. He's not a horse or a pirate. Mm. Hello again, young master. Wit, was it? I'm not a wit. I'm a whiff. Apologies, Lady Balverstag. I believe we met earlier this evening. You smell like an old flower garden. I want to devour you. Anyone else not want to go down below deck? No? All right, let's start moving. Tommy Glassy Renzi and his sky pirates ushered the guests down to the narrow holds of the first-class cabins when Bruff noticed Lady Bulverstag slip away and head farther down toward the cargo hold. Wait a tick, lady. You better stick with everyone else lest you want to get flung like old horseface. Sir, you must understand my intentions are simply to protect something priceless within the hold. If these monsters get their hands on it... I would not suffer the loss alone, for indeed the world would suffer with me. Colonel Lexington did say there was priceless stuff down there. I could ask permission if you prefer. What's that? Excuse me, fellow. Jake, was it? Jason. Jason. I was wondering if you'd let me... Never mind. Never you mind, guy. She's uh, feeling a bit under the weather, but she'll be fine. Thanks. Okay. All right, let's go and make it quick. Ruff and Whiff led Lady Balderstag farther below past the holes of the second-class cabins and down further still through the holes of the third-class cabins. Here the smells were ripe and the air was thick with pipe tobacco. Stadababa Lama Mamas rolled dice and rubbed their aching backs. They watched scornfully out of the corners of their eyes as the fancies promenaded past, blissfully unaware of their hateful stares. Lady Bothersteg knocked a lively knock with her silver cane on certain doors as she strode cheerily by. They descended further still into the fourth and fifth class cabins. A small tribe of garbage gypsies roasted a goat-sized wharf rat over a spit in one of the public toilets. An ancient man played out a story with shadow puppets lit by the unearthly glow emanating from a half-open trunk his spectators' faces hanging like amber apparitions in the gloom. Bruff noted a small group of figures following at a measured pace behind them. Lady Bolvestag went knocking gaily on. 
It was then Bruff realized that with each door she knocked upon, more figures joined the group. Soon the hall behind was packed inescapably thick with bodies. Before Bruff could protest, Lady Balderstag lifted her silver stick, its crystal catching the light like a tiny beacon as she shouted, Europa's Horn! Europa's Horn! The assembled mass charged forward as Bruff and Whiff were knocked into a nearby cabin. Before the rushing crowd thundered away, Bruff saw Lady Balderstag fling off her hair and tear open the skirt of her dress. Beneath the dull grey wig was a lively auburn flare, and within the stiff hoopals, a pair of pantaloons. Holy bowling mastodons! Lady Balthastag ain't an old fogey after all. And she's one of them Euro-terrorists. Hell, she's their grand poobah. Yeah, and she's the boss, too. What are we going to do? We can't take on one army. How are we going to deal with two? I don't care what we do as long as them fireworks keep going off. I love fireworks. They're not fireworks. And you won't like them when they burn us down. Come on, we better get to the hold. One of us was supposed to be down there at all times. Colonel Lexington will kill us for missing a shift. Not me. I didn't miss my ship. It's right here. Whiff pointed to the captain's wheel pendant pinned to his chest where it gleamed dully. Bruff opened his mouth to correct his unfortunate brother, but instead smiled sadly and remained quiet. Then from the shadows of the cabin where they had tumbled, a small watery-eyed child emerged. He was filthy to be sure but he was also adorable in that dirty puppy kind of way. Either way, he smelled horrible. I mean, we already know that kids don't know how to wipe properly. They ask an adult, and the adult obliges, but after a while, the adult is like, you know what? You're on your own. I'm not wiping you anymore. Then do you think that kid is going to magically be able to wipe as well as the adult did? Hell no. Uh, Are you fellas gonna save us? My brother Bruff will, you bet. Don't you worry. Right, Bruff? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, but I'll need your help, Whiff. Are you ready? You bet I am. So Bruff and Whiff... Well, wait. Wait a minute. Uh, I feel like maybe I played up too much of the disgustingness of the little child and not enough of his cuteness. Well, like I said, he was definitely still cute, but that whole exchange was supposed to be tender and... And I feel like I might have ruined it with all the talk about defecation-related hygiene. Like, you really should have seen him as a reminder of the world that is worth fighting for, and also to demonstrate Bruff's softening as he allows hope to live on in these two innocents, instead of crushing them with the grave reality of the situation. Ah, damn. Damn it. Sorry, I'm really sorry about that one. I am. Shit. Bruff and Whiff set off for the hold, explosions and gunfire echoing around them as Europa's horn and the sky pirates battled for control of the ship. The overhead lights flickered, and the whole Atlantean tremored as they continued bounding down the narrow halls. Suddenly, a flash of gunfire ahead. Stay where you are. Damn. Bruff, it's that fella who threw Mr. Horse off the ship. Sure enough, Jason the Sky Pirate emerged from behind the remnants of a shattered crate, slinking toward the brother's tax wind. As he drew nearer, he raised his sword gun. Gun sword? Whatever. 
I was hoping we'd run into each other again. We ain't got nothing, guy. No need to even bother with us. Oh, you don't think so, huh? Hello, little fella. What's the matter, Skinny? Don't like my gun sword? Okay, uh, gun sword, GS, it's in alphabetical order. Yeah, yeah, I'll be able to get that. Hey, 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 Courtney? Yeah, can you add that to my mnemonic device checklist before each episode? Gun, sword, GS, alphabetical, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Court. Ruff, I'm scared. It's all right, with. He ain't gonna do anything. He's gonna lower the weapon and walk away. Oh, is he? Yeah, because... Oh my god, is that cabin boy covered in rum candies? What kind of a stooge do you take me for? Nobody wants these rum candies? Oh well, more for me. Wait, what the hell? Bruff's signature skull-cracking punch dropped Jason the Sky Pirate for good. Thanks, Bruff. That pirate didn't like me. He didn't like nobody and nobody liked him. He ain't got somebody like you and me got each other. Now let's go. The two resumed their journey to the hold, when suddenly Bruff's jacket caught on something in the shadows, and he snapped backwards, smashing into whiff. Whoa! It was then Bruff realized it was a hook that had caught him. The hook of Colonel Fable G. Lexington. Let's go, Taxman! Colonel Fable G. Lexington dragged Bruff down a near-black corridor. The smell of smoke and hot metal burned his nostrils. When he finally stopped... Bruff saw they were in the ship's engine room. Colonel, what the hell's going on? Hell is right, son. This is hellfire we're floating in, and soon it's gonna rain down on the earth below. We gotta get to the hold. Wrong. We gotta get above. But, Colonel, these Euro-terror nuts, they'll be heading for the cargo. No matter. That is if the Sky Pirates haven't gotten to it first. Regardless. I bet that's what they're fighting over anyway. Taxwin, listen to me. None of that will make a lick of difference if we all plummet to our deaths. See these fuel canisters? They're what's keeping us airborne, and they're nearly depleted. We'll be running on nothing but God's grace soon enough. What? I don't know how we could have gone through a whole journey's worth of canisters so quickly. You mean... We have to find out what's happening up top. The cowards down here obviously have abandoned their posts. I haven't seen a single crew member excepting you two. Hiya, Uncle Fable. Oh, you poor innocent darling. How could you be anything but full of wonder? Come here to me. Wow, it sure is slippery. Say, Colonel, it sure is. Look here, I think this is where your fuel has gone. Well, eat my ass with spicy mustard. Someone's stolen it away. Taxwind! Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's follow this trail. Aye, aye. The three followed the trail of fuel through a serpentine series of stairwells and up seven shaky service lifts, and soon enough they were climbing above the top deck and into the bridge where the trail vanished. The gunfire had subsided, and so too had the explosions that formerly sent the ship's hull rattling. Colonel, nobody's here, just like the engine room. I may only have one eye, Taxwind, but it is a good one, and I'll thank you not to explain to me what I can already see. So who's steering the ship? Looks like someone lodged the wheel into an easterly course. Slipshod job, too, just jamming a stick in it. Maybe the captain said it when the fighting started. Well, say, wait a minute, Colonel. This cane that's stuck in the wheel, I recognize it. Bruff tugged at the silver stick and its shimmering crystal head. Yeah, it belongs to that lady Bitterbug or Balderbad or what the hell's her name. She's the one behind all this. I think those sky pirates just have bad timing. This game is all Europa's horn. 
Those terrorists must have dumped the fuel overboard and set the Atlantean on a suicide course. That doesn't make any sense. It never does with these loonies. Who did you say is behind this? Lady... Valleybrush? Barterband? Hey, Whiff, what's the name of that broad who kept eyeing you up? Whiff? Hey, where's Whiff? Over there. The two watched helplessly as Tommy Glassy Forenzi, captain of the dreaded Sky Pirates, dragged Whiff Tax when kicking and screaming onto his ship, the Limping Griffin. I'm coming, Whiff! But just as the men began scrambling down the stairs to reach the top deck, the Limping Griffin's engine snorted and sent the ship storming away from the Atlantean and into the bloodening dawn. Will Gruff be able to save his brother? Why is the ship seemingly abandoned? Will Arby Bishop be signing autographs before the impending fiery end? Find out next time on Gruff Taxwind, Sky Sailor. Rough Tax Wind Sky Sailor is brought to you by Mademoiselle Anastasia's Beard Elves. Tired of beard elves that itch, bite, or leave droppings? Mademoiselle Anastasia's Beard Elves are trained to not only behave, but to care for each follicle, groom with pride, and burrow deep into your skull when it's time to metamorphose into nightmares. Listeners, I... I can't do it. I cannot freaking wait another freaking two weeks for the freaking finale of Bruff Tax Wind Sky Sailor. It's not fair. No, no, you know what? It's not fair. And I... I just... I, I, I feel cheated and I feel underappreciated. I mean, I know I'm part of the storytelling and... Well, technically I am the storytelling, but I am still a fan, you know? And I... No, I won't wait. I refuse to wait. I refuse to wait. I'm going on a hunger strike until they deliver the finale. Starting... Courtney? Hey, Court? Yeah, can you get a watch or something? Uh, just, just, just write down the time. Yes, the, the time now. Right now. Right now. Now. I mean, like, whatever time it is right now. No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, okay. Uh, whenever I asked you to write it down originally... How many seconds ago was that? Oh, God, it doesn't matter. Just write it down now. Starting now. What? Yeah, yeah, I'm going on Tunga Strike. No, I don't care that it's pierogi bar day. No, I don't care. Get all the chili meat and orange cheese sauce you want. I'm not moving. I won't eat until the Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor finale. Pierogi bar day. Like I would cave so easily after I've made my mind up. They're tyrants, they really are. And no amount of doughy dumplings with soft, sweet potato filling and unlimited toppings of various hot meats and cheeses will change that. And a dollop of sour cream. And a reasonable sprinkling of chives. To add a a small bite of zest. And also to offer a contrast in texture. All right... Look, I would fuck a pierogi if it were still legal. No, Courtney, no, it's not legal. What are you still doing here? I thought you were running off to your precious pierogi bar. Oh, yeah? You just happened to forget your wallet? Yeah, yeah. Bye-bye. Well, listeners, I don't know what you're waiting for, either. 
This bit isn't going to end with me relenting and devouring a steaming plate of Polish potstickers. I'm willing to starve myself a bruff taxwind sky sailor. Are you? Note, do not try this at home. Rude alchemy is not responsible for bruff taxwind sky sailor related starvation. Hey, hey, you get out of here, you son of a bitch. You still got your whole show-stealing post-credits bit. Let me have my moment. Okay, so I guess, um... See you next time for the finale of Bruff Taxwind, Sky Sailor. Rude Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Werdner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor story by Rude Alchemy with Mr. Werdner as lead story editor. This episode written and edited by Mr. Kane. Let's Go Live in the Sky, written and performed by Mr. Kane. Featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy with Ms. Liz Filios as Lady Balthastag and Mr. David Alt as Lord Willowstick. Please be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And finally, as part of my payment plan with my bookie Fred, I will be using this part of the credits to promote his legitimate business, Fred's Check Cashing Bail Bonds and All Mail Review, where you can see me perform every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon during the lunch buffet under the stage named Seymour Cheeks. And please remember, no touching the performers no matter how aggressive I get. Hey, look at the size of that thing. Yeah, it sure is long. Why, that's the longest one I've ever seen. Oh my, it's so long. Give it to me, now. Hold on now, girls. Don't worry, there's plenty to go around. (laughs) Waiter! Waiter! What on earth is going on with that man over there? Oh, he's got the all-new dromedary cigarettes with the extra-long filter tip. It's the longest one around, and all the girls love them. Oh. Well, bring me a pack of extra-long dromedaries. Mmm, I can't wait to put one in my mouth.